Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. Well, we've got the fabulous, wonderful, incredibly certified out the sphincter uh, <laughs> on everything is Neely Piazza. What are you doing today? Don't say nothing. <laughs> I'm talking to you. You are. You're talking to all of our listeners today. Everybody wants to hear about what's happening. So, That's right. So um, how many certifications do you think you have? Oh, my the- gosh. I did, did I send you the picture of my wall after I hung everything up? Yeah. That <laughs> makes you feel good. Anytime <laughs> that you think you don't know what you're talking about, I want you to just turn around and go look at my back. wall, right? Go look at your wall. Right? Well, there's there's like three walls that are basically plastered with certifications and degrees and all. Yeah. So anyway, I was like, yeah. holy cow. <laughs> holy organic cow, which is something I want to ask you about, because people get really all up in their uh, sphincter uh, mode about organic. And I think that, you know, as we know today, Neely, narratives are so spun and a lot yeah. of narratives are incorrect and they lead people in the wrong direction. So here is my question. If you had the choice, Neely, to feed an organic beef versus a non-organic beef, which would you feed? Well, so here's the thing about organic meat. Um, if a meat is certified organic, All that means is that it was fed certified organic grain. So it's pretty much a misnomer. So you don't want grain fed meat. You want grass fed meat. So um, basically all the organic label on meat does is lets the stores gouge you on the price because it doesn't it it. It doesn't really mean anything other than they were fed organic grain, which granted organic grain is better than non-organic grain in most cases, but grain is not good at all. Right. So you want to look for grass fed and um, grass finished is is even better than that. But um, also um, there are there are a few, but there are precious few pastures that are certified organic because that's incredibly difficult to do plus there's an awful lot of producers out there that um don't have the time the money the uh connections to go through that certification process for their for their ground because it's um it's really pretty spendy so if you're looking at organic for the most part um you're looking at uh, a pretty big outfit that's got the money to to buy that. And I'm talking meat. I'm not talking I'm not talking veg, but I'm talking meat. So, you know, just because you have an I would definitely pass up 
an organic meat for uh, grass-fed meat. And that's yeah. why. And let's be practical, people. I mean, think about the price difference. And everybody wants the best for the for their dog. I agree with that. However, you got to look at what labels actually mean and what nonsense the FDA and the USDA uh, um, are are spouting in the first place. I mean, at this point in time, that should be obvious. So um, it's basically um, basically just another way to to raise the price and make, you know, give you a warm fuzzy that you're spending more money. And so you're doing a better job, which is again, nonsense. I mean, the goal is to do the best you can for your dog, right? The vast majority of people can't afford something like that. And, you know, even looking at, and you can apply that to quote unquote commercial raw products too. They're incredibly expensive the majority of them have added stuff in. If you're going to feed a commercial complete and balanced raw, you might as well feed kibble because the vast majority of cases, there's really no difference. There's no benefit. It's, it's the same, um, inappropriate ingredients, um, synthetic vitamin mineral mix added in, um, <clears throat> all kinds of, you know, be practical. You want, um, real food, that you can afford. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and just because you can, just because it's cheaper doesn't necessarily mean that it's inferior quality. So you have to be smart about what the labels say and what they mean, because it's all about trickery. Everybody will tell you that some of those commercial products, they don't have any muscle meat in them at all. The, the protein portion is all heart. Which, yeah, I know, heart's a muscle, but it's different than skeletal muscle, and let's not have that argument. Um, but, you know, that's not appropriate mm -mm. either. So, you know, you have, to, you have to be careful and discerning on what you're looking at. And the goal is to stay away from, in my opinion, the goal is to stay away from commercial anything. Well, I had someone yesterday and they called me and they wanted to know um, the difference between ours and Titan. And I said, well, um, have you seen that ingredient list? It's like synthetics, preservatives. Um, there was so much stuff in there. I said that, that these aren't even the same products. Okay. That beef product is not the same as this one. This is mm -mm. pure, right? And if you want to put all of that in there and they wanted, they were raising puppies and this had bone meal in it. It didn't even have real bone. Oh, and let's talk about that for, for just a second. Just a okay. second. Um, cause we've talked about this in the past. And so I, I finally have an answer for why bone meal is not appropriate. It's because it's cooked. Now I've wanted to, you know, you hear, this is another thing you hear um, all these places say, oh, well, as long as the bone is ground fine enough, you can lightly cook it and it, and it is, it'll still be safe. So, okay. I can kind of get that. Cause they're talking about the um, um, bone being, um, not going to cause an impaction because, or, you know, we all know cooked bones are bad. Right. Um, but my question has always been, okay, so if you're cooking it, how is that for absorption? What are you doing for absorption? Yeah. It may be small enough and it may go right through, but you know, again, if it's cooked, 
it's not it's you're not able it's not absorbable it's not usable so all these places that are saying that you can take their product and um uh gently cook it or whatever okay yeah maybe it's safe but it's not effective you're losing your bone component so you might as well throw it out the window and the other part to the the cooked thing is and i've actually come across this in two different places from two totally different people um this um this past week uh about cooking um and i knew this i don't know why i didn't put it together i i i, I guess it's one of those things where you know, you ask me, should I cook it? And I always say no. Well, it's because it increases carcinogens in in the protein. One, it, I've always said it denatures it, right? So it makes it, in a lot of cases, it makes it less absorbable because the dog is designed to digest raw proteins, right? And if you cook it, just like that old commercial, this is your with the egg and the frying pan, this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs and the, you know, you crack it and it, it fries. Well, it's the same with the denature of the, of the uh, meat proteins when it's cooked, but it also increases the, you have the uh, Maillard reaction, which you talk about in cooking, which is the caramelization of, and browning of the meat, which makes it smell good and taste good, which why if you start cooking it, a lot of times the dog won't eat it unless you do cook it because of that. Well, it, it's, toxic it causes cancer cooking it increases your carcinogens and your um risk of cancer which we don't need that so anyway that was an aside for the whole bone meal thing but don't add bone meal because nine times out of ten a commercially available bone meal is going to be cooked here's a question you see a lot of these commercial um lightly cooked foods that say they're raw and, and some of them are, are, are uh, some some of the big uh, holistic veterinarians out there are pushing that. So what do you think about that? I think that it's <clears throat> not the right thing to do. I mean, yeah, I'm not a vet. I don't know what their um, what their reasoning is. Some say that it's more digestible, but I have a real hard time believing that. I, I mean, there may be a one off here and there to where one particular dog for some reason or other, but uh, they're not designed that way there how many dogs have you seen out in the wild cooking a rabbit over a spit i mean it just doesn't happen oh but they have you evolved know? but they or have sitting, evolved or sitting in the, or waiting for the the stew to come out of the crock pot i mean it's not natural it's not the way they're designed to eat you gotta look at how the dog's body is designed to digest, absorb, and utilize the nutrients. And that's with whole, real, raw food. Period. In the story. There's definitely two camps. Maybe, maybe more than two maybe camps. Maybe more, right? Yeah. Um, but I think I mean we're just we're gonna be as close to nature as possible. Exactly. That, that's, that's who we are, and that's what we do, and that's what we feed. Now, a lot of people still have these misconceptions. For instance, I got an email. Um, uh, someone is is looking at coming over to the raw diet. And the question was this, that they were worried that they were going to get worms, that their dog was going to get worms from the raw diet. And I said, well, we don't 
typically see that, but uh, we do see it in, you know, dogs that eat feces or, you know, if your dog is out there eating uh, maybe rabbits or birds that are in the backyard. That could, or mice. Or mice, that, that could happen. But there is that big conception or um, that, you know, dogs are going to get worms from raw meat. What would you have to say about that? Bacteria and parasites and um, the gut biome and all that stuff. All, all of us as an ecosystem, I mean, every individual body, dog body, person body, cat body, whatever, is an individual ecosystem. And you evolve and grow and we have evolved over however many thousands of years or whatever um together right it's a symbiotic thing so the a healthy body which is not loaded up with toxins which you know we've been over that ad nauseum so anybody that doesn't know what my view of toxins is needs to go back and listen but as long as it a, a healthy body that's not overrun with toxins is is going to hold a homeostasis with all those different components with the um what they would call pathogenic bacteria which we no, that's a misnomer as well. But with um, all those critters internally, right? So it's it's all a symbiotic kind of thing. So you're going to have parasites. Um, that's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. So a lot of different parasites actually eat heavy metals and get rid of them and help you help the body detox in that way. So you don't want a sterile environment inside. Now, granted, you don't want to be um, you don't want big, nasty tapeworms and all that kind of stuff. But again, if you have a healthy, mostly non-toxic body, they're going to keep that in check. Those worms, even if they do consume them, it's going to be a very unfavorable environment internally. And they're just going to pass back through. They're going to be digested and passed back through, especially if it, especially if they eat them internally and they go all the way through, they're going to get digested and um, through all the stomach acid and all that kind of stuff. So it's not, a, it's not a big deal. The problem is if you have a toxic body, they, it can't, maintain homeostasis like that and the parasites take over and then you have an issue so you know i don't worry my dogs i don't i've they don't have an issue but so there you go that's my thought <laughs> all right all right so here was the next question that this particular customer said they had removed gluten and wheat from their food and they wanted to remove the gluten and wheat from their dog's food. And I say, oh, good for them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. But the question was, should they have gluten or wheat? And I was like, no, no. <laughs> we shouldn't either for that matter, but no, definitely not the dogs. Right. So I was like, so for that reason alone, you need to be on a pure raw species appropriate diet, right? That right. Was, well, I mean, that... think about it. Anything that you have to sprout or process or grind or do something to in order to make it to where it's not poisonous for you to eat it, you really probably shouldn't eat it. 
<laughs> right? Right, right. I mean, I'm as guilty as the next person. I love bread too. I admit it. But but y- you know, um at least I make my own. But still, I mean, again, back to nature. Mother nature does not set her critters up to fail. She just doesn't. Right. But then but then what we do is we put these crap this crap in their body. Now, this particular pet parent who is looking at removing the wheat and the gluten in the body uh, made this statement. His dog is currently taking heart guard and next guard each month. Oh, to, God. To prevent heartworms sufficiently when dogs. Uh, he, he basically wanted to know if if he should continue that uh, because this dog would be on the raw diet and might get please, worse. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. Take him off now, please. It's nearly that. That's the one thing that we just have a really, really tough time uh, getting across to people. Now, I will say, uh, we just had a dog die uh, out in Arizona, and um, two years old was on yeah, a but the vet diet. killed that dog. Mm, yeah, well, uh, there were some things that were suggested, and this dog was taking some supplements, and also, um, also on flea and tick. And uh, the liver toxicity was terrible. Now, the the, the dog was in the uh, ICU. Or it was whatever. in ICU for like 10 days, wasn't he? It was terrible. Yeah. Terrible. And then he passed away. And uh, I, guys, I mean, toxins are toxins. Yeah. It's and tragic. It, it is tragic. And people believe that, well, this toxin, I need to take this toxin. Well, let's or, talk about that. Let's talk about heartworm and, and next guard specifically. Um, okay, so uh, flea and tick first, the next guard first. So next guard and uh, particularly that class of drugs, uh, isoxazoline or however you say it, isoxazoline or however you say it, um, th- those are like incredibly dangerous incredibly dangerous there's been dogs dropped dead developed seizures all all kinds of they're awful but let's talk about the whole mentality of prevention okay so you you do it now just think this through with me as i say it you you take an internal pill or even a a spot on onto the you know between the shoulder blades and down down the spine which is right over the central nervous system right right over the spinal cord um and the dog absorbs it into its body so the way that works it doesn't prevent anything the parasite the flea the tick whatever has to bite the dog and then ingest the poison that is in the dog's bloodstream. Think about that. So the dog's bloodstream is so toxic that it will kill that bug after it bites them. So how is that prevention? It's not preventing anything. It's not preventing any any kind of infestation or bite or anything. It just will ki- it just will kill it after it bites it. But think about that. Your dog's bloodstream is toxic. So explain to me how it's toxic to the parasite and not toxic to the dog. You can't. You can't. 
It's toxic to the dog. So if you want to prevent the bite in the first place, which is why you're giving that medication, that toxic uh, should be outlawed medication. You go find a, um, a, a natural um, repellent, flea and tick and or mosquito repellent, right? Mm-hmm. And even even a normal one, even a normal one that has, you know, phthalates and all those things, and even a normal horse spray is going to be less toxic than that pill that they take. I mean, I'm not recommending you do that, but it would be less toxic than that. So there's all kinds of natural um, essential oil based and natural based repellents um, that you can use. You just have to be a little more consistent about when your dog's going to be exposed to that. And, you know, if if you do go to a um, through a high tick area, which, you know, let's be real. You don't really have to do that. You're doing it because you think you want to, but, um, okay. So maybe it's that important to you. You do it. So you get a flea comb and you check your dog, right? And yeah, it's a little more work. It takes a little more forethought. It it takes a little bit more preparation, but would you rather have that? Or would you rather have a seizing dog or a dead dog? It makes no sense. And the whole heartworm thing, that is just, scare tactics they show you that picture of those spaghetti ridden heart and yeah it's it scares the crap out of everybody but it's the same thing you have a toxic substance that you re-administer monthly that is going through your dog's bloodstream how is that not toxic to the dog and then you put those two together can you imagine i mean it's it's criminal that the veterinary and or medical industry say that it, oh yeah that's fine it's healthy that's what you should do to keep your dog healthy that is is like beyond any logic that i can think of and the only way that heartworms are spread is by mosquitoes the in, the external environment has to be exactly perfect for a solid two weeks and i can't remember what the exact temperatures and all that is for the lifespan but it's a very long slowly developing disease it's easy to treat and the best way to do it, again, repellent. If they're going to be exposed to mosquitoes, repellent. You Just spray it. Just spray it on them. And the vast majority, if your dog lives in the house with you, especially in the winter, but if your dog lives in the house with you, and especially ones that have thicker coats, you're not going to have a heartworm problem. That mosquito is going to have all kinds of trouble getting to, the, getting to bite that dog. Um. But yeah, so that whole thing that that is just like scare tactics out of control and ridiculous and the dog suffers for it. And then you add vaccines on top of that. Yeah, it's no wonder that the dog's lifespans are getting so short. If we're not careful, there's not going to be any dogs left. (laughs) Right. Okay, so let's go one step further. I did have an email, not my customer, so I don't know all the specifics. However, the pet parent says that the dog is on a raw diet and it just Which can mean anything. Right, right. That's why I always say, can you tell me, you know, about your raw diet? What's the composition? Who? What's the brand? Da, da, da. 
Um, However, this pet parent said that their dog tested positive for heartworms and that they were going to be treating it with doxycycline. Um, Question is, if you had a dog, if you were doing a consult and somebody said that to you, um, my dog has tested positive for heartworms. First, what would you do with that test? I would tell them, <coughs> well, okay. So are there any symptoms? Does the dog have any problems? What, what's happening? Um, this um, dog actually went in for something else. I don't know if it was a spay neuter. I don't know if it was teeth cleaning. Um, and they and- just randomly tested it? They so did a blood I, work, blood test, yeah. So, um, well, it's always hard for me to put myself in those situations because I would never be in that situation. However, <laughs> um, I, I think I would suggest definitely don't do doxycycline. I mean, definitely don't do that. Um, but if you're really concerned about it, test them again in a couple of months and see if it's still positive. Um, all right. So let me ask you this test them in a couple of months. Okay. So this particular, let's just play devil's advocate here. Let's say, all right, you go in, you get the blood test. It says, Oh, your dog's tested positive for, uh, heartworms. And we're going to put you on doxycycline. You're saying, wait, a pet parent might be looking at the spaghetti stringing heartworm picture going, oh my God, if I wait, my dog's heart's going to be eaten up well, and die. The other thing you can do too is, I mean, <coughs> one, a, a positive heartworm test just says that there's mycofilaria in the, in the blood, right? Um, so if you're really going to be that concerned about it, then just, um, Give it a size appropriate dose of ivermectin and look up the, I'd have to look up the life cycle because I can't, like like I said, I can't remember off the top of my head what it is, but, um, and then, um, dose according to the life cycle and before long, you'll, you'll test negative again. I would suspect. Well, when you're dosing a dog with ivermectin, I would do it in the mouth, right? Yeah, well, I mean, that's heart guard is ivermectin. Um, But, I mean, you can use horse paste. You can, you know, it's all the same. It's all the same thing. It's just harder to get the the poundage right with horse paste because it's formulated, obviously, for huge. Well, I guess if you had a big dog, it'd be easier. But, um, yeah, so if you're that worried about it, you can do that. But, yeah. check i wouldn't do we have to say that well yeah okay Uh, okay (laughs) that's how we got this mess in the first place (laughs) i know Uh, doesn't it make you crazy it's like we have to have all of these i'm surprised uh, the fbi or the fda or the who or somebody's going to come knocking on our door and go oh my god you were talking about ivermectin and blah 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 it's like oh yeah we're just uh they they want us they want us to to uh tell you the things that that go along with their narrative but um now don't get me wrong i'm i'm not promoting (coughs) heart guard or ivermectin or any of that but 
given somebody that would be put in that situation, you'd be hard pressed to talk them out of doing something. But uh, the the ivermectin uh, in an appropriate dose would be a whole lot better than the doxycycline. Right. My opinion. Um. Yeah, and and uh, I I you're right. It's just and then there's that Amber Naturals product that um I've tried uh, to get it. HW is HWF or whatever. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, I've heard a lot of people swear by that, but I don't know if it's only for prevention or if you can use it for treatment too, because I haven't looked into it. But um, if you're insistent on, I know you can use it for prevention. So if you're insistent on that, then I'm looking into that. And then Dr. Falconer has, um, heartworm is one of his big things too. So he has a program, I think it's behind a paywall, but I don't think it costs very much, um, for his heartworm, uh, protocol and everybody swears by that too. And I think there's a homeopathic protocol that I bet Dr. Cooney would, would have. And if I looked hard enough, I could probably find it. But the one that comes to mind, um, would be homeopathic Cina, C-I-N-A. Mm-hmm. Um, that's worm specific. So you can use that too. Um, I had someone ask me about Ledum. L-E-D-U-M. Ledum is for uh, puncture wounds, animal bites, um, tick bites, things like that. <clears throat> so, um, is that a homeopathic? Yeah. Okay. So the question was actually, can they use the flea flicker product with and and use Ledum? I don't think there's any um, contra. Well. No, there wouldn't be any, any, you can use homeopathics with anything, but you, I don't know that Leadum is a preventative again. It's, um, you know, if you, if you find, um, like if you have a dog that is really sensitive to flea bites or whatever, or flea dermatitis or something like that, then you could try Leadum, but I think I would use something in, different because usually when you um that flea dermatitis is more a, a skin and uh itchy an itch problem i would use antimodium crude or something along that nature for for that versus the leadum now if you if you get bit by a dog or bit by um you know an, an insect a wasp or a bee or something like that leadum is a good thing to try but apis is usually better for um wasps and yellow jackets and things like that but it depends on the person different people will react different to different ones so those two would be top of the line for that but for you know if a dog bites you or your dog gets bit by another dog in a dog fight or something uh lead them is really good for that got so it so that's probably where that came from okay okay so no contraindications on that no no, homie, you can use homeopathics with in conjunction with anything. There's no, no, uh, I mean, there's some homeopathics you wouldn't want to use together, but you know, even that is usually the one that is going to act will act, and the other one just won't. It usually it doesn't really cause a problem, it just 
it's usually better to not throw the kitchen sink at something. Right. Right. <clears throat> so that's our podcast for today. We hope that this has been informative. You guys remember, where do you find Neely Piazza? Only through my site at the moment. You can't find her anywhere else. That's right. One that's of these right. Days, one of these days she's going to get her, her, a website up. But, um, but you, you, you know, she's busy getting certifications. Um <laughs> But go to my experts section, uh, click on the Neely Piazza button, and she can help you. She can help you uh, get over your fear of raw. Do you find that that's the big thing? People are just still afraid of it? Well, you touched on it earlier. There's so many different camps, and we've said this before, is there's so, so so much information and so much conflict information and there's a lot of shaming and stuff like that going on if you don't do it this way then you know you're not good enough and blah 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 and you know i i think people are running into that kind of stuff and it it makes them afraid and it makes them uh you know question themselves and drops their confidence level and they are like i you know they feel like it's the right thing to do but then they decide that, you know, it must be too difficult and they don't have the time to invest in, in learning about it. But, um, so, and then, then there's other people that just want to be sure that they're still on the right track and, you know, they should do something different. Some people do it for a while and they kind of get stuck in a routine and they're like, maybe I need to like double check and be sure. I'll get those two. Yeah, you definitely need to not get stuck in a routine and not be afraid to do something different. You know, throw a duck head, a chicken foot. I still have a lot of people yeah. that are afraid of bones, right? They're like, my dog, you know, we'll just swallow them. That's all right. They get they'll regurgitate it back up, probably. Right? Yeah, and that's totally fine. And then they'll they'll crunch it a little better next time and swallow it back. And when it comes back up, this is something that Dr. Billinghurst talks about a lot about people being afraid of bones and um you know, it's, it's fine. They, you know, they, they need, um, they need that. And so many people, I mean, and myself included, um, I don't think I've been given enough bones either. Um, and you have little but, dogs and I and think I, that's yeah. where, where people get really frightened. They're like, Oh my gosh, I have a little dog. Well, that's all right. Little dogs need bone too. Yeah. They have teeth too. So, you know, <laughs> hey, my dachshund, Doc, the dachshund who started yeah. this whole process back in 2000, um, he would carry around the biggest bones you have ever seen. They were about as big as his as body. As big as him. <laughs> I have pictures. They're so funny because, you know, I had um, I had a lab at the time, too, and um, he would take the lab's bone. I mean, he was ferocious, that little guy. But um that's funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I wouldn't be afraid of it, but I would always supervise. Right? Yeah. Always supervise. Yeah. They have to learn how to eat them and you don't want to just turn them loose with them for sure. But um, once they're accustomed and you know what their chewing style is and things like that, it's, you know, it's a, it's a natural, normal thing. It's, it's full exercise. It's brain stimulating. It, 
um, it's a primal, it's a primal urge for them, you know, and if you deprive them of that, they're, you know, going to take your leg off. Well, you. and they can, they can end <laughs> up with behavioral issues and frustration issues and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. Not every dog, but you know, it, it happens. It can happen. Yeah. So. I mean, Asta's 14 and some of her teeth aren't as great as they used to be, but she, there are certain bones like the beef neck bones. She loves those, mm-hmm. L- loves those. She will do that. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, s- some things she doesn't want anymore, like duck heads. I have to, this is sound gross guys, but I have to cut the beaks off and then I have to split the head in half. Some people are like, I can't do it. And I'm like, well, I yeah, can't. the heads even but, freak me out a little bit, but I think I'm going to get some. I think I'm going to get that the heads and uh, some trachea and um, maybe some heart or something and run it through the grinder and then mix some tripe in there and mm. bag it up as, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a supplemental something to add on. That sounds but, good. Because yeah, I think the heads are. I used to get them for Phoebe, but I think they're too big for the corgis. I mean, they could probably not all their way through it, but it'd take them a while. You so need to, you like, need to get ahead and then uh, let do a video and let's see. I think you'd be shocked. I've seen cats tear those heads apart. Well, I, yeah, all right. Well, I'll try it, but I still think it'd be fun to put them through the grinder because I mean, we can't <laughs> get brains anymore. No, we can't. So. It's- that's Crazy. the only thing I can think of beside in and, and um let's see that's the best thing I can think of for um Don't make it brains. Easy. Yeah, well, well bra- brains and eyeballs, you know. Brains and eyeballs, the, yeah. The duckheads have them in there. So Well the fish do too. I was thinking about that the other day. Tiny, tiny. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um yeah. yeah. Neely's got a grinder. Uh, down in your basement, you you look like maybe you're <laughs> I told you know, that story to, to Andy's group the other the other night about uh looked like a murder scene down there in my uh <laughs> chef's apron in my underwear with uh <laughs> in the you know when you put a soft when you put liver or spleen or something th- through it Ooh. it like shoots out the other end I didn't know that at the beginning but it shoots out the other end and you get blood splatter, splatter all over the wall and all over the freezer <laughs> I was like holy cow so anyway yeah, yeah, it was it was fun. <laughs> yeah, you 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 have to be a special kind of person to grind all that stuff up. And uh, I know, right? <laughs> I used to. Do, I, I don't do it anymore, obviously. But but uh, I've been in your basement, and it's pretty cool. You've got like three freezers. You got your grinder. You got your tables with your supplement. I mean, you've got yeah. a little shop down there. It's nice. Full on dog kitchen down there. Full on for show. For show. Okay, everybody. Um, if you have questions, you want to send those over to info at raw dog food and company.com. My company has the German Shepherd uh on it. That's Asta with the round circle that says raw dog food and company. That is our company. Um, go to our expert section. That's where you're gonna find Neely. You can sign up for a consult with her. And uh if she doesn't if she's not able to help you, she will let you know. Okay. But um, just walk into that room again, Neely, with all of those certifications. 
be like, yeah, I got this. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's going to be on the podcast every week. And then who knows, Neely, maybe we'll start doing uh, something live or we'll start doing some. Uh, we definitely are going to be putting some courses together for you. Doing guys. more. Yeah. yeah. We're going to put some courses together uh, that you can download and uh, put in your library. And uh, so that you become a raw feeding guru, because we want you to be comfortable. We want your dog to live a long, healthy life. We don't want you having to pay out $15,000 to get your dog healthy when all you ever had to do was to change the food. You know what? That's the one thing I'm going to say today. Before you do anything, if your dog is having problems and they're on a prescription diet, on a kibble diet, on a cooked diet, move them to a raw diet first. Take all the processed foods. A real raw diet. A real raw diet. And we can do that for you. You don't have to go get a grinder and and, and Mm -hmm. get in an apron in your underwear and do your murder scene downstairs. No, you don't have to do that. (laughs) We're going to make it easy um, for you. But try that first before you, you know, have to spend these incredible amounts of money. I'm shocked, Neely. I'm I'm befuddled. I don't know how people can even afford that. I I know. And then they and then people complain about raw being too expensive. Well, yeah, in the grand scheme of things. No, not so much. Right. Right. But I can't tell you how many dogs have come through here. You and I both know this, where the pet parent has said, I've spent five, 10, 15, $20,000. And my dog is worse. Uh, yeah, worse. And then they put them on a raw diet and they're like, oh my gosh, they're bouncing back. They're doing great. And I'm like, yeah, take that crappy toxin stuff out of their body. Yep. All right, everybody, get over to rawdogfoodandco.com because here at Raw Dog Food and Company, your pet's health is our business. And what, Neely? Friends don't let friends feed kibble. That's right. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.